On this show, we've talked extensively about the health benefits of red light therapy on the body, but we've never really talked about how this impacts our dental health. Today, we're going to dive into that and so much more. So stay tuned. Welcome back, my friends. My name is Sarah. This is the Sarah Kleiner Wellness YouTube channel. And on today's episode, I have two dental professionals from the UK. We are going to be talking all about the mouth and red light therapy, as well as UV light therapy, how that can impact your dental health. Now, I will have links for the toothbrush that they are talking about here. I've been using it myself. I think it is absolutely fantastic and it's going to change a lot of lives and a lot of the way that we look at our oral health in general. So please check out the show notes for the links to that toothbrush. They have it available in the United States as well as the rest of the world. And make sure to follow them over on Instagram. I will have their Instagram handle so that you can check out all of their new and exciting research when it comes to this topic on the oral microbiome, the health of your teeth and gums, and how we can use things like light therapy to enhance them and actually keep our mouth really super healthy without using things like fluoride and antiseptics. So again, check out all their information linked down in the show notes. And before we jump into today's episode, I want to thank really quickly a couple of sponsors. The first one is going to be Viva Rays, and you can use my code YOGI to save 15% on any of their products. I'm a huge fan of their circadian glasses. I also use their eye mask and love their low EMF headphones. So if you're looking for something to listen to the show on, check out those low EMF headphones and use the code Yogi to save. The link is down in the show notes. Second sponsor of today's episode is Upgraded Formulas. They are my go-to source for protecting the mineral balance within my body. You can use my code YOGI12 or YOGI to save on any of their products, as well as that hair tissue mineral analysis with a consultation. Again, it's a lot easier to get a test to know what you need because minerals balance one another out. The basic mineral that people don't understand is sodium and potassium, how that ratio works. If you are over supplementing sodium, which most people are, your potassium is gonna be very low and that could lead to things like fatigue, muscle pain, weakness, and even thyroid concerns. So make sure to check out Upgraded Formulas, link down in the show notes, and let's jump into today's episode all about your mouth and light therapy. I'm so excited for you to listen. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited to have some wonderful gentlemen here. We're going to talk about oral health and a really interesting product that they've got and red light therapy. So let's take it away. If you both would, would just jump in and introduce yourselves to my audience. So I'm Richard. Um, I'm an orthodontist from the UK and, uh, we together with Flip Flynn and I have, have developed a red light toothbrush and, um, we've sort of come to that from a, you know, a long path, which we'll probably get into uh, at different stages, but I'm a, a dental professional. Yeah. My name's Flynn. I'm Going into my second year of um, dental school, and I'm a student. I'm interested in photobiomodulation, and basically, I suffered from an autoimmune disease, and it's kind of led me down this path. And this is how we've kind of come to this product together. Wow, 
So I, I love hearing personal stories of, of getting people to this kind of place with health. And we were just talking about that before I turned the camera on of like, you know, going down, knowing that allopathic medicine was not the way. And then you kind of go alternative medicine and you're like mm, getting warmer, but not quite there. And then we land into quantum biology and circadian biology and things like photobiomodulation. And it intuitively, I just feel like it, it makes so much more sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've, uh, there's 20 years that separate us, but we've actually had very similar journeys yeah. and, and, and stories uh, yeah. coming from, from very different angles. So uh, just to give you a little bit of my background, uh, I was the poster boy for a classic scientific um, education. So I came through all of the schools, um, did everything, followed this the, the science in terms of what I was meant to do from diet and exercise, um, didn't smoke, didn't drink excessively outside of university, and we, we, we didn't do drugs or anything like that. I was literally the, the, the poster boy for that. And um, we were just talking about families, and after we had our uh, first little boy, he was a, a non-sleeper and mm -hmm. that, that just really, really tipped me over the edge. It was at the same time that I sat my consultant exams in the UK. We relocated me out of a, a lovely bright office, which became his nursery into this like shoebox style dark room that we eked out of the garage to do my revision for my final exams. And it was over a, a summer and I sat my exams. Uh, it all went very, very well. And then the November time after that, developed a really chronic cough, low grade, but it, it just kept on going and kept on going. And by the Christmas of, uh, of that year, I was just a broken man. You know, I went from um, exercising four or five times a week, uh, playing sports outside, you know, full-time job, young baby, you know, full of energy. Uh, and I could hardly tie my shoelaces, mm. you know, I just really couldn't do anything. And that's really, it's really, uh, it really hits you when something like that happens, when you go from what people would describe as the picture of health, which I, I now understand is, was definitely flawed, but you're there doing everything and all of a sudden you're not. And you go from being, you know, a, a really important member of your family team to, you know, being someone who almost needs caring for, you know, in that environment. And um, so th there are physical issues, but there are mental issues that, that go alongside that for sure. And we ended up um, being hospitalized and, and having several investigations. And my initial provisional diagnosis was lymphoma, which, you know, which obviously pretty significant. It turns out it wasn't that, you know, and through a diagnosis of exclusion, they settled on a, an auto-inflammatory condition um, called adult stills, which is a, a late onset juvenile arthritis. Now, most of my symptoms were fairly systemic anyway, you know, aches and pains, night sweats, all that type of thing. But I was good for nothing. I couldn't really do anything. So the only initial road to, to recovery and functioning, because we had a, another baby arriving in two months time at this stage, oh. And, um, you know, my wife is, you know, this big and um, we've still got a toddler who doesn't sleep great. And 
the only recovery at that stage the crutch was uh, that was available was the allopathic approach which was um corticosteroids and uh, immune modulators and the mixed bag of stuff that goes with that bisphosphonate calcium you know all that stuff um you know i take this so i need to have that to protect that and that to protect that and that to stop that happening and i'm sure that will resonate with lots of people because you know, it's one medicine and then it's six medicines and you feel like you're rattling on a morning. Um, but we got to a level where I could work, I could function, I could be a dad, you know, I could, you know, be a husband, you know, all those things. But you then um, are faced with the reality that that's maybe you forever. You, know, you need those bits to keep functioning and you understand that the medication may be life shortening and may increase your risk of cancer and all those things. So um, I've always been fairly proactive. So you start looking into it yourself, Sarah, don't you? Yeah. So, oh, 100%. <laughs> and, and, you know, you, you're, left, you're left with that. And um, I picked up, you know, low-hanging fruit. Well, what about diet? Maybe we've got something wrong with the diet. So, you know, we were eating essentially a carb was the bit that the whole meal revolved around. So it was get the fuck carb first and then put other bits in it in and around it. So we, we stepped away and we went down the sort of keto route just to try and lower that general inflammatory burden. Uh, and we saw some, some results. And then I get deeper into it and a colleague introduced me to photobiomodulation. She was a pediatric dentist and she was, her angle was, well, is there an element that we could use for um, the immediate post-trauma recovery of teeth? And uh, then the other side of it was, well, can we actually create analgesia with photobiomodulation, like an overload of it to numb um, the trigeminal nerve and then actually be able to do needleless dent uh, dentistry. So that, that, that was her angle. And I went on the course with my wife and um, was, was really sort of taken back by the, uh, the, the level of biology that it actually interacted with, you know, I was reminded about mitochondria for the first time in about 10 years. And, yep. you know, it, it really does. It gives you a shock. It's like, I knew this once, you know, I need to go back in and have a look at it. Um, and there's evidence. I, I did the Thor course. Um, uh, are you aware of James Carroll and um, the the Thor products that they have? The mainly UK, but they make the Nova Thor bed. You might have. Um, uh -huh, I haven't heard of that. Yeah. What so kind of, is that like a PEMF bed or? No, just a red light bed. Um, oh, okay, okay. Red, um, and uh, it's used by a lot of the sports teams in the states okay. and military. Uh, they're working on like a helmet for um, neurological trauma and um, chronic disease that way. Uh, and they have these handheld panels, and there there are specific like dental bits that you add onto it to uh, use in the mouth. Um, so we, we did it that way. And then I, I went and bought a panel and I just started using it. Mm -hmm. And it really, it was the first thing that I thought, right, th this is actually making a difference. You, you can just feel it. Like you said, it just feels intuitively. I, I actually, I'm not as sore. I'm not as achy. So you carry on using it. And I start, I find out about uh, Gerald Pollock and the fourth phase of water. And I'm like, this is it. This is this is how it all connects together. And you start searching around. And at one point, I was naive enough, enough to think that that I, I was making this connection. And then uh, I remember going on to a, a, finding a podcast with this American dude with a, a 
you know, a beret on backwards and a metal chain sitting in his wine cellar. And it turned out to be Jack Cruz, uh, you know, talking, talking about this. And I was just blown away by his, um, just his knowledge, you know, yeah. and, and seamlessness in terms of being able to deliver that knowledge. And, you know, th that, that changes your life, doesn't it? When you're exposed oh, yeah. to something like that. So that was really profound. And skip forward 10 years, I don't take any medication. Um, I'm in better Nick than I was at 30. Um, you know, I, I can do everything I want. I've got two active boys, you know, an active life, a full job, you know, all those things. And I realized that red light wasn't responsible for all of that, but it's, it's, the, it's the big picture. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the major crutches that I used to, uh, to, to, to get well from, from that auto-inflammatory uh, condition. And Flynn's story is, is, is a little bit similar from a, from a different angle, isn't it? Yeah, so it, it's, it's pretty similar to a certain degree. Basically, as a child, I was always having really bad tonsillitis. Um, I missed loads of primary school. Um, and then from there had some like bowel issues and I was always just more tired than all my colleagues, like always just needed more sleep. And I, I just couldn't seem to like keep up with everyone. Uh, but, you know, I was always active. I was always like, like Rich was saying, I was always like poster boy of health. You know, I was always on the cross country team, you know, just trying to man manage things. Uh, but one thing that was really bad was I used to get really bad mouth ulcers. Um, and I was going to doctors all the time. They were telling me, first of all, it was iron deficiency. Then it was, I was put on iron supplements. Next thing it was, you know, vitamin D. It was, oh, you're uh, stressed. You've got anxiety, you know, all these different things. I was, I was just palmed off basically. Um, and, you know, I, sometimes I'd have periods of remission and I'd be okay. And it was just something that I, I learned to deal with. And then, Throughout high school, I was okay. And then it got to, in UK, you know, we have our final exams in year 13. So you're 18, 17, 18 years of age. And basically uh, I was doing my A-level exams, which determined, you know, if I could get into university. At this point, I was set on doing dentistry. Um, Although I tried to convince him against Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I was set on it and um, I was revising really, really hard. And at the time as well, I was rowing at a very high level. So I was trading, you know, looking back, it was ridiculous. I was trading two, three times a day, you know, six times a week, um, doing lots and lots of steady state. Um, at this point, I had listened to Rich a little bit and I was trying to bring the rowing machine outside in the cold um, and things like that. But I, did, I didn't understand why I was doing it. I was just, you know, thought I'd give it a go. Um, and then basically I finished my exams and I was very very stressed and I had a bit of a breakdown um and I was pretty had what I now know as a flare-up but back then I just thought you know I, I'd got like sick and I was really stressed um so I didn't really recover from that and obviously it was summer then and everyone was celebrating um you know more late nights a bit more alcohol not that I drank much anyway um and then it was the pandemic happened mm. uh, you know COVID, I actually had a COVID vaccine um, and a few other bits, but it just went downhill and downhill and downhill. Mm. Um, so I took a year out. I didn't go to uni in that September. I took a year out and, you know, set some time to try and help myself. Um, now, it was quite interesting, actually. Um, 
I got diagnosed with an autoimmune disease called Bechet's. Uh, and basically it's systemic inflammation affecting the blood vessels. Uh, one of the major symptoms is, you know, mouth ulcers, headaches, joint pains, um, and, you know, there's no medical evidence suggests why people get it or, you know, like most autoimmune diseases. It's, it's grim, really grim. It, you it, know, like we're not talking like little ulcers, we're talking like big mm. ulcers in, in the, the oral cavity. It's really wow. Not- yeah, it, it, it wasn't very good. And, you know, I got put on a medication called Cultracine at first, which is used to treat gout and it wasn't working. And then eventually they put me on azathioprine, which is an immunosuppressant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at that point, I was seeing no improvement. I was actually getting worse. My hair was coming out. Uh, you know, all my friends were at university and I was at home. I was really, really ill. Um, and then it got to the point and it was about January, February, and they said, right, we're going to have to put you on the next level of treatment, which is like biological agents. They said to me, you know, you're going to be on these biological agents for the rest of your life, injecting yourself every two weeks. Mm -hmm. um, You'll see some improvement. Um, And they said, you know, we're going to do some blood tests to get your levels right. And then we'll order these in. It'll take about a month to arrive. And in that month, I'd kind of listened to Rich for some parts, but when you're really ill, it's hard to understand the quantum biology world. It's a lot. Yeah. Uh, so what I did was actually, I, I went on holiday. I went to uh, Tenerife by the equator. I got lots of UV. And at that point, I just went gluten-free. And I saw like a massive improvement. Mm. And by the time I got home, um, the injections had arrived. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to give it some time and see if I can, you know, stay off them for a little bit longer and see if I can help myself. And then uh, as time went on, I went, ended up going keto. You know, I did all the, you know, functional medicine parts of things, you know, like paleo diet, you know, I was taking tons and tons of supplements. And I got to the point where I was off medication and I was pretty much, pretty much symptom free, but um, I, I knew, I knew something was missing. Um, and then basically it's only recently that I've started getting into the quantum biology world and it's got to He's a let the light in now. Sarah. Yeah, I've let the light in. <laughs> I love but it. There was, there was a point before I, I'd got really ill that Rich had found kind of like a prototype of using red light therapy in the mouth. Mm. And this before I knew I had an autoimmune disease and he gave it to me to try. And this is before I knew it was Bechet's, you know, I just had oral ulceration and obviously Rich knew it was some kind of systemic inflammation going on. Um, and I was using this, this red light therapy in my mouth and I, I, I saw a massive improvement. So I, I knew in the back of my mind when I, when I started doing all the quantum biology stuff, I fought back to the time when I started using this red light in my mouth and realized, you know, th- there's something here. And I think that's where it kind of, has led us to th- this toothbrush yeah. we've got now. That's where we are today. So that's a good catch up. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, I-, I love going back to the whole idea of the water, you know, and, and the fourth phase of water and Dr. Ger- Gerald Pollock's work and what Dr. Cruz talks about and how I feel like those of us that go on these health journeys, we go to the food and the food is helpful, but mm-hmm. it's kind of just a step along the way. And then we go to, um, you know, we would just keep going deeper. And I think we all kind of end up at, at water, you know, like 
what is it that's going to allow my mitochondria to make the most water? How do I coach this process? And then red light therapy is, is what comes, you know, the photobiomodulation and, uh, there's like over 6,000 studies on it right now. There's so much research being done and it's being used in so many different ways. I'd love to kind of hear how you came to, I know you did some, some work that you mentioned and, and some research, but kind of how you decided to come with this product and, and just more about it. So we, um, after introducing it in my uh, world sort of systemically and seeing the, the improvements, you, you then, um, you sort of, you just want to build on that a little bit and knowing that there were dental applications already, um, there were UK studies and international studies using photobiomodulation for oral mucositis, uh, you know, a, a post-radiation or chemotherapy-induced um, condition, which is really, really debilitating um, and is one of the main reasons that people stop their supportive or adjunctive cancer therapy, um, just because it, it's so painful. Uh, you know, they can't eat, they're, they're struggling to, to take liquids. So, you know, the, the, the Thor team and other international um, entities were, were actually making some real headway with the, the science around this in, you know, conventional studies. Um, and so it, it struck me that there was a, an obvious gap in the sense that my approach to dentistry, certainly in the last five years, has been very, very preventative focused. And I think that really is the best dentistry that you can interact with. So if there are things you can do on a day-to-day -day basis, and I'm sure your uh, viewers, Sarah, will, will appreciate this because they're already the people that are looking at their diet and thinking about how that interacts with them as a, as a whole. And, you know, the, the mouth is the gateway to that. Um, so, so it's obviously very important. And were there strategies that you could potentially put in place to to support that preventative um, stuff that you're already doing, you know, that there aren't many people who aren't brushing their teeth. So if you can get additional benefit from, um, from that same process, then, then brilliant. And if we can get knowing that the mucosa in the mouth and knowing that, you know, the gut extrapolating it to that area, how sensitive it is to light, mm -hmm. then there has to be an application there for this. Um, and then seeing the studies coming through about how red light in particular was improving the uh, the experience of these cancer patients uh, with their oral mucositis. And if it was used preventatively, so it was, if it was used before the therapy was started, then it was almost making them more robust. Mm. They were able to then handle the treatment. And even if they got mucositis, for example, it wasn't the same grade as the people who perhaps had had no intervention with, 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 with red light in that example. So for me, there just had to be a, a product. And at that stage, I was all set on, on, on making my own. And then I, I, you do a bit of research and you find that there's really not, not much out there. And I stumbled across uh, a guy called James, who is a, an American um, trained science grad who is um, now working um, and living in uh, in South Korea. And he 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 had had a product and he had it up and running. So we've worked with him over the last few years to you know evolve the product and um, he's very receptive and he's very knowledgeable. 
um, about the sort of the physics of the situation and, and the light. And then, of course, you've got to deal with the the, the mechanics. We've got one of the brushes mm-hmm. here and yeah. um, you'll I know that you've seen them, them before, Sarah. Yes, you guys it, sent me one and I've been using it. It's very interesting. Yes. Looks like a toothbrush, doesn't it? You yes. know, that, yeah. that, it's got to look like a toothbrush if, if people are going to use it. And it's got to be the right weight and um and, and size. And and the head size is obviously important as well. And the head size initially dictates, well, how many LEDs you can use, how much power you can get, you know, and, and all that information. So we we um we we've we've settled on on this as as the 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 current design for the product but it's an evolution you know we're we're learning it's not like there's loads of other people trying to do the same thing yes there are uh, quite a few knockoffs on, on the market <laughs> that are more aimed at whitening yeah mm. ours is the only one um and we hold the patent for the um for the the, the combination of the red and the um the, the uv on the okay. light light delivery method light delivery method exactly so um so so this is where we settled and um there's a few little bits about the brush that that are sort of worth pointing out obviously it's uh it's u um usb-c charged which means that there's only a direct current in it so that keeps things like flicker to an absolute minimum because it's got a continuous current rather than that alternating you know frequency Mm -hmm. uses the flicker um and we incorporate two wavelengths of light in it so it's got 635 which is similar to something like the emr tech red mm-hmm. that they use in, in in their panels um and we know the main aim of that is is inflammation so we're, we're trying to target that inflammatory process around um the uh, superficial tissues because we understand it that red doesn't penetrate as well as as a near infrared okay but then again a lot of the the tissues that we're actually trying to hit are pretty superficial yeah okay so so we, we can make peace with that and then the other part of it is the um the the uv and it's at 410 so it's below that melanopsin um 435 to 465 window that that we're all concerned about in in the quantum world um but it is still sort of in that UVA range. Okay. So you perceive it as a purple essentially, and you can have just purple, you can set it to do just red and most people, and most of the time it's going to be both because you want a little bit of, of, of both. And the target with the UV is um, twofold in the sense that because it is that um, slightly higher power from the, the shorter wavelength light, you get something called photolysis. And in the, the structure of the tooth is that you've got enamel on the outside, which is like the, the, the really tough outer coating of the tooth. And then inside of that, you've got a layer called dentine, which has these little tubules, like little connection pipes from the middle of the tooth which is where the nerve and the blood supply all lives and there's these little channels that run up and down them and they can get products in them and break down products and the concept of photolysis is that actually the the light in the uv range can actually excite those um those breakdown products and essentially sort of implode them essentially so it, it breaks that down with the wavelength of light so you do get a little bit of, of, of lightening. I would never claim that there's a whitening element. Mm. 
so from this photolysis and then the 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 sort of the other side of that is i believe that redox determines the color of your teeth mm-hmm. agree um, and melanin and so, too i think the amount yeah, of melanin yeah, we have yeah, yeah. This is this is new the melanin bit to me. Uh, like I know about the embryology of teeth, but I, I just still like the, the Pom C There's store. So like, much, yeah, there's, there's a lot there. <laughs> and I know he's been telling us about it for a while, but just sort of like I just I can't even imagine. You know, it's it's in there, but where is it? So all the the dental tissues are um, a neural crest derivatives. So we know that they've got the same basic building blocks as, as your skin and your brain and things. So, so it's got to be in there somewhere, but where's it expressed and how's it expressed and what impact it's just, you know, there's so much to learn. Uh, and it's, it's so fascinating, but if you, if you think from a redox perspective, if you think maybe that, um, that the color of the dentine, which is sort of a yellowy hue, I think if your redox is low, you can see that in someone's mouth, you know, that you look darker, um, and it's not necessarily because they're not cleaning. It, it's just that they're, they're less vital, they're less vibrant. It doesn't look like a well tooth. So if we assume that we are targeting and hitting some mitochondria and, you know, we make the assumption that the light is, is transmitted into the tooth because I don't have any research that says that it gets into the pulp of, of the tooth, but it certainly hits the periodontium. And all you need to do is hold this in your mouth and you can see it shining through your cheek. So you know, you don't need to be a, a physicist to understand there's a bit of depth penetration there. But if you can, if this also works on, on the mitochondria and it's helping to build a little bit of redox in, in those tissues, well, maybe you get a bit of a lightning effect from that as well, or a bit more vitality in the way it looks. I hope you're enjoying today's episode. As a reminder, make sure to check out the links to follow today's guests down in the show notes. And the link to the toothbrush is also going to be down there in the show notes. I know a lot of people are going to be interested in trying out this product to see how it can improve their oral health. I have absolutely been enjoying it myself. And as a quick little reminder, you can always get my free guides linked down in the show notes, the guide to using blue blockers, as well as the guide to building your perfect quantum day for optimal circadian health. As a listener of the show, you can also always save 10% on any of my courses. If you do want to dive deeper into any of these topics that will be linked down in the show notes for you. And you just use that code podcast to save 10%. Again, if you're enjoying today's episode, leave us a comment underneath this video and hit that like button. It will help to get the show out to more people. And of course, hit the share button, send it to a friend, a family member, or share it in a group that you're a part of. If you think that this information will help impact their health in a positive way. Thank you so much for listening and let's get back into the show. Um, And then the final bit about the UV is that um, one of the main uh, contributors to uh, periodontal disease, so gum disease, gingivitis, you know, the whole spectrum of of conditions is a bacteria called uh, Porphyromonas gingivalis, P. gingivalis. And um, this is typically found in people who have, um, you know, extensive gum disease. And we know that UV light in this range is shown in the wider photobiomodulation literature to actually snap the tails off these little blighters so that they're just not as motile, they don't work as well, and, and therefore you tip the balance in uh, in favour of, of a more friendly, mm-hmm. um, you know, bacterial population in the mouth. I, I think, you know, when, when I'm in dental school, I get taught, you know, fluoride, you know, 
mouthwash, wipe, wipe out the yeah. oil microbiome. But something that's so good about the brush is, you know, you're targeting not just all of bacteria, but, you know, you're targeting bad bacteria. So you're improving that oral microbiome. You're not just, you know, nuking Wiping the whole out. Um, mouthwash. So it is, it is really interesting. Yeah, it's so, it's got me thinking, you know, I've, there's so much literature on uh, red light therapy and impacting the gut microbiome positively, giving it more diversity. Um, I've just anecdotally had a lot of clients and myself using red light therapy on the gut. It makes me wonder about how it could impact the mouth. I don't know if there's, like I said, there's 6,000 plus studies on red light therapy. So I, I don't know, you would probably be more, um, adept at that information, but it just kind of makes you think, uh, if it can do that in the gut and the gut is, you know, the mouth is kind of the pathway to the gut, like yeah. it, the correlation between the two. Right. Yeah. And it's sort of the gateway, isn't it? And, mm -hmm. and it's yeah. that it's, it's a different environment. Um, and at some point transitions from more of an aerobic to, you know, an anaerobic mm -hmm. environment in, in the gut. And, it's exposed to more light than the guts, mm -hmm. you know, so it, it's a, th th there must be a transition at, at some stage, but most of the literature is, uh, is trying to be very functional. Mm -hmm. You know, we're using it to try and treat this mm -hmm. condition. Um, but the, there is literature around, you know, uh, stem cell generation um, in the pulp tissue, but also the periodontal ligament. So that's like the uh, little trampoline uh, sling that, that holds the tooth um, in the bone essentially. Mm -hmm. And that's what it gives at the proprioception to be able to feel a, you know, a hair between your teeth. So, you know, there's some very, very delicate and sensitive tissues there, um, which are all sensitive to light. Mm -hmm. You know, they've all got proteins in which, which are, are reading the light in our, our environment um, and, and responding to that in that sort of, um, faster than you know what typical um transgenerational stuff would have been expected mm -hmm. you know so this is is the stuff which changes you know on a uh you know jack would say a, you know a femto and atto second you know basis you know that that information is coming through and and shaping the way you deal with it with the the uh the base code of, of you know your, your genes so there's there's a lot there's a lot in there there's a lot we still don't no, Sarah. Yeah. Um, the one thing we do know, it's super safe. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you can you can happily use this, um, and and be comfortable with the fact that well, what are the downsides? Well, there's there's virtually no downsides to to, to using it, um, and so if it has any benefit, then that that's even better. The the one thing that that we've thought about is, you know, how how long do people brush their teeth for on average? Well. Yeah, somewhere two, between two, three minutes, two or three minutes. You're supposed yeah. to do it for two minutes, right? That's the that's the advice that the dentist always gives. Yeah, I'm pretty sure my boys do it for about thirty, 30 seconds. seconds. Yeah, I was going to say thirty seconds as most kids probably. <laughs> so, so there's a lot of variation there, and and we know, and I heard your chat with with Chris from EMR, and th there's definitely a sweet spot from a you know a light penetration and sort of time in treatment uh, perspective and you know i think one of the one of the um the arguments you could have with with a product like like ours at the moment is well well is three minutes enough to make a 
a clinically significant mm -hmm. difference or a noticeable difference. Um, and the, the only thing I can say is that, you know, I probably started from a different place to other people in a sense, someone taught me how to brush my teeth. You know, we went to school and, and they showed us different techniques. And then I picked the one that worked best for me. Whereas I understand most people don't get that. So I was probably starting from a, a different place. But I find that um, like if I used to get ulcers, I don't really get ulcers anymore. You know, I, I have a, a, my oral hygiene regime is um, is probably slightly different to what people expect in the sense that I only brush once a day. Uh, I do use a water flosser um, because I had um, orthodontics as a kid and teeth are tipped in a slightly different way than would be, be natural. So I've got some natural areas which need a little bit more cleaning. Um, and then I, yeah, I do some oil pulling as well with coconut oil, you know, that we put a bit of menthol in. So, you know, that that's a, a typical regime. So I only really expose myself to um, to three minutes a day of, of this type of thing. And obviously the toothbrush is being moved around. So on each individual spot, they might only get sort of 15 to 20 seconds, but I'm still noticing a change. You know, when I, you go away on holiday and you're like, oh, I've just got my manual toothbrush, you know, things, things feel different. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I certainly feel like that. And the, the nice thing that, that we wanted to yeah. develop with the, the, the brush is that, you can use it as a brush, but you can also use it as like a light wand, essentially. Uh -huh. So the bristles actually come out of the brush and you can be in a position where you can use it to just lay overlay on the um, on the tissue, essentially. And at the moment, there's a there's a centimeter or so of, of bristle in there, which separates you from the um, the light source. But you can. Uh, take it out. And it's one of the things that we wanted to give a, a nod to sustainability in the sense that that's the only bit that is disposable. So the yeah. rest of the brush is all one piece. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you can see, but that's the LED mm -hmm. array just in there. Um, and so you can, you can take these off and because it's all um, waterproof, then, you know, you can just lay that directly on the tissue inside your mouth if there's an ulcer and you can get direct relief. Uh, as Chris said, yeah. it's, it's almost instant. Immediate, immediate pain relief. Definitely. Wow. Yeah. You know, and, and you can use that like people would use topical anesthetic mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. you know, creams and things to, to try and do it. So it does give it a bit of versatility um, as well. Interesting. Yeah. And so I know that people would ask that. So I buy this toothbrush. What do I do with the head? So they would just continue to replace that every, however often, every month or so, you think? But three, three months, probably, mm -hmm. you know, it depends on your technique and, and you know, the, the pressure you use when you brush, because in theory, you only need finger and thumb weight to be able to exert enough pressure. But of course, everybody white knuckles <laughs> it, you know, and go exactly. <laughs> so uh, this you know, it is that the bristle, the bristles are, are really soft, soft on purpose mm -hmm. because that, that's, you don't want trauma. You don't want to be, you know, yeah. scraping and damaging the, the gums because then you get issues with, um, you know, leaky gum, leaky gums, yeah. which is just an extrapolation of leaky gum. Leaky gum. Yeah. So I'd love to hear about flossing too. Cause that's a, you said you use the water. So, and I know a lot of my dentists always, Oh, you need to floss. And how do you feel about flossing? I mean, I, well, I think everybody does it badly. Yeah. So you're more likely to cause problems with Trauma. it. If you experience the same. I, I think, you know, in, in dental school, you get taught 
even now, so we get taught to tell patients not to floss and to use interdental sticks, like the little interdental brushes instead. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, if that's coming from the dental school, which isn't, you know, aware of all this movement in the dental world, then there must be some fundamental issue with flossing. And I know like um, a lot of biological dentists talk about how, you know, for a lot of people, if their teeth are in the right occlusion, then you don't really need to floss and it's going to cause more more trauma than without. And, you know, if, you, if you're flossing and, you, and you, you're causing bleeding in the gingiva, then, you know, you're, you're opening up um, and exposing yourself to different bacteria and that's just going to cause, you know, an inflammatory response. Um, we, I know when I was, I was on my journey, it was all about leaky gut, leaky gut. And, you know, there's this big thing about, you know, intestinal permeability. Um, but we don't think about it in our mouths. You know, if, if yeah. you floss and, you know, you, your gums bleed, most people don't even think about it. You know, they just spit out and, and wash their mouth and just think that's normal. So I definitely think it's probably, probably not recommended unless, yeah. you know, you've got a lot of, you know, dental work. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the key bit, you know, um, certainly from my perspective, I don't have any fillings that involve the side of the teeth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the um the only variation i've got is from orthodontic work so teeth are being tipped a little bit and and not not quite in in the ideal occlusion um but i think if you've got crowns if you've got fillings that involve the side of the teeth Mm -hmm. i think there is a stronger argument for that interdental cleaning approach but with floss people just you know they saw with it they do all sorts Mm -hmm. stabbing the gum and you know it can look like a butcher's shop sometimes so it's, it's just it's a case of being um mindful yeah 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 you know be, being sensible i like the water flossers because i feel that uh i feel that they're they're relatively g- uh, a gentle interdental approach um i don't really like the, the sticks and and the, the brushes just because they just seem traumatic to me mm-hmm. you know, you, you're forcing the biggest brush you can get through a contact point you know below the teeth um and uh, I understand that that's important for some people with advanced periodontal disease because it's the only way they can get to those areas. But for the majority of of, of young people, um, we would expect the gum margins to be, to be tighter, mm-hmm. and so it just seems a bit much to do that. So the the water flossers will go a millimeter or two below the gingival margin, so into that little crevice where the the free gingiva becomes attached to the tooth with the cementum. So they'll flush that area out and as long as we're not dealing with extensive disease then yeah i, th- I think you, you, you're good with that um and it's it's water as well so i, I just quite like yeah. the idea of doing it with that I think, um i think i think there's um a few companies now that are using water flosses but combining it with combining it with ozone as well which is mm-hmm. quite, um but you've got to think at the end of the day you know the body knows what to do we've just got to supply it with what it what it wants that will do the work for you really. Absolutely. I'm curious about, um, I guess, toothpaste and the brush. Do you advise a specific type or do you advise no toothpaste or what are your thoughts on that? You know, I think toothpaste often serves as a, as a lubricant when you're brushing your teeth. Uh, and certainly like when I was poorly, I was on additional fluoride strength mm-hmm. toothpaste. You know, you just realize the mistake you've made <laughs> yeah. in the past. But I also grew up in two areas in the north of England, which are naturally fluoridated. Mm. So 
you know, that was my background anyway. I probably have a fairly high fluoride burden even now in my 40s, even though I haven't used it for, you know, five or six years. Mm -hmm. um, and there's definitely a balance you can make with iodine, iodine and yeah. you know, mm -hmm. balance that. But uh, my family don't use fluoride toothpaste. My kids don't use fluoride. And that's partly because, you know, we are pretty on it in terms of their, their diet and what they're eating and seasonal stuff, Sarah. You know, it, it's yeah. they, 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 they have the odd what they would class as a treat, but it's like 85 percent dark chocolate. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. Uh, it, 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 it's there they just don't have regular sugar attacks so i don't feel for them there's any risk benefit balance in favor of fluoride there are some of my patients that i treat through the nhs that are coming from a very different perspective you know they've maybe already lost a number of teeth at the age of 12 through mm. dental um decay wow and, and, you know, they may not, some of them may not have the support to make the changes that, at that age that they would need to make. Um, and some of them just don't want to make the changes, you know, yeah. even, even with the support. So I think in that environment, there probably is still a, an argument for the strengthening effect of that enamel um, through, through fluoride. But um I don't think you should need it. It's just from a social and implementation point of view, there, there is still a place for it, you know, yeah. in, in what I talk to patients about, because we're trying to provide individual care. And I know what the holy grail is for them, but, mm -hmm. you know, they're 10 or 11 or 100 points away from that. So you've got to make certain concessions sometimes. So there's no toothpaste that we specifically yeah. recommend. Um, we are actually looking at toothpaste and there's, there's a couple that I, I, I like, um, I like the look of, um, and it's just sort of finding the way understanding about hydroxyapatite as a, mm -hmm. that's what I, I use one of those. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, biologically that makes a lot of sense in the sense that that's what's in your teeth yeah. anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so rather than, you know, changing the structure of that to floor hydroxyapatite with the incorporation of fluoride. Well, mm -hmm. can we just bathe it in, in the hydroxyapatite mm -hmm. itself? The, there is a little bit of literature on the flip side of that, you know, or, or how, how safe is it to use those things? And I just don't think there's enough information oh, for, for me to yeah. make a decision about that just yet. Um, so I just tend to go fairly basic, you know, and use it in my mind. It, it's more of a lubricant when you're brushing your teeth, you know, um, and a and a sort of a, a flavoring essentially. So you get that because everyone likes that minty freshness yeah. after the yeah, brush. Yeah, definitely. So what I've heard from another dentist never to use because I know Redmond's has like a charcoal uh, toothpaste, and I've heard that that's like a big no no because I think a lot of alternate people get into alternative health and they think, oh, I know this you know, the regular toothpaste is no good. Like this has got to be no good. And the Listerine and just kind of wiping everything out. That's probably not a good idea, but then they look at like a charcoal toothpaste and think that's a good alternative, but I've heard that's not maybe the best thing for teeth. What's your opinion on that? I, I honestly have never really looked into it. I, I used, I tried it once and it really upset my gut. So mm. uh, that was just a very easy decision for me to make, not to, not to go down that, that line. Um, I think, I think, you know, charcoal is used for a lot of detoxification. It can pull a lot of things out. And I think for a few patients, you know, they've got a lot of amalgam fillings, you know, 
you, you can sometimes have to be careful with things like that charcoal because you know it can pull certain heavy metals out and yeah if, you, if you're not at the point where you're ready to detox properly using something like charcoal can mm-hmm. cause it there's also the argument of it being quite abrasive for the enamel as well that's what yeah. i heard it would break down the enamel from of your teeth yeah but the, the, there are mixed views on it. I think a lot of biological dentists are experimenting it with it at the moment as well. So it's definitely something to look into. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things that, like I said, people know that probably it's not the best idea to, well, actually, I don't know if people do know if it's, a. you've mentioned <laughs> it, Flynn, about the microbiome in the mouth and, and people using these kind of like Listerine or uh, types of things that just wipe out all the good bacteria in the mouth. Why is that not a good thing just for anybody who's listening and is like, I've never heard of that before. You know, why should we not use those, those things in our mouth? Well, I think, you know, there's, there's over 700 different species of bacteria in the mouth. And, you know, there's a lot of bacteria that we just don't even understand, you know, mm-hmm. what, what, what the function is and why they're there. Um, and I think, you know, if, if you're not like, at a healthy place metabolically and you're wiping out your microbiome you know two three times a day um you know that if, if you're just wiping out a clean state slate then you're not given chance for your microbiome to stabilize and you know um affect itself basically and you can have an increase of the bad what we class as bad bacteria yeah, you know, it, it leaves a void essentially, and yeah. then mm-hmm. it's just first come, first serve to the table. So you don't really know the, the impact of that. Yeah. You know what's going to get take a foothold? Is it going to be you know a naturally occurring fungus in the mouth? Is that going to all of a sudden give you a candidal infection, which is is visible? Never mind, you know, um, sore and you're mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Um, so it disrupting that. Uh, I certainly don't know enough about the oral microbiome to be able to tell you what all of those species do. And so, you know, that, that, that sort of precautionary principle will first do no harm to that. Mm -hmm. And then if we're providing the right ingredients, then we should find that there's a a correction of, of any dysbiosis that that's there. And then you can, um, you can build on that, you know, and, and that's really related to, to um, soft tissues, but they coat the hard tissues of the mouth, the interaction with the saliva. We haven't talked about the saliva, yeah. but- Oh yeah, let's talk about that. Saliva is is um, is almost exclusively water and, and, mm. and minerals. And Jack has a, um, uh, he, he sort of made me aware of an idea of how the, the parotid gland um, interacts with the mouth and how it's, how it's this this gland which has um, local effects mm-hmm. in that you know um, it can sense what you are um, what you're going to eat mm-hmm. and so it can prepare the um, the the um, enzymes in your mouth to start that pre-digestion phase that occurs during mastication and mm-hmm. and and before you swallow and then it also has an effect down to the you know the pancreas to the uh, the islet cells saying carbohydrates on the way you know we need to do that and that's why you see a spike in in you know insulin production potentially before you've even ingested the meal so this sort of connection that i think it was a a chap called uh john leonora um uh, forgive me if if i've mispronounced his name but talked about this you know hypothalamic 
um, parotid axis. Hmm. And obviously you've got other salivary uh, ducts and glands in your, in your mouth and they're pumping this, this saliva mainly during the day. You see a downturn on a nighttime because it, it, it exhibits a, a nice circadian profile. Uh, mastication increases that. And all that saliva is water. And we know the impact of um, you know, the, the microbiome on in terms of producing light. Bacteria produce 5,000 times more uh, light than a eukaryote cell does. So you've got a, an environment which has got a mass of water. It's got a mass of uh, prokaryotes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you've got this complex interaction with the, uh, the exterior environment because we're opening, opening our mouths and talking and, you know, eating food and things. So you're getting external light sources in as well. And I mean, it's just a, a, a melee of, uh, of, of things which can work in, in synergy and harmony when the right environment is there. So what impact does, does light um, in the, the red range have on the water in your saliva? Well, is it, is it growing an exclusion zone? Is that, is that giving you the pellicle, which is like a, a protective bubble wrap over the teeth that you can't really see, but it, it stops them being worn, um, you know, is then UV light expanding that you you've uh, that exclusion zone that that's there, you know, and how that all interacts. Nobody's looking at that yet, Sarah. Mm -hmm. No, so it, it's, but it's all it's all there, and it, it's quite. I know it's quite nerdy, but it, it's quite exciting as well. That you know, in that small area, you've got the interaction of all of these features, and then you know, Jack drops the bomb of of Pom C and you know, well, what's the role of melanin in that? And, you know, the charge separation and, and that whole angle, it really does just blow your mind what we don't know um, about that whole interaction. But it, it, in my mind, it all works in the right, in the same direction and, and in synergy. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the brush for me fits well into that, no matter how you angle the story, I think it only strengthens that, that yeah. relationship. Absolutely. I think that's, I didn't even think about that because we think about, well, actually most people have no idea about exclusions on water to begin okay. with in the body and how powerful it is. But then you think about the saliva. I mean, that's obviously a, mm -hmm. a source of, of water in the body. And so thinking about the implications of a light that you could use in the mouth to potentially strengthen uh, that exclusion zone water in the mouth, which could, I mean, it's just so powerful that it's, it's a communication process, right. In the body that we, we are so we're stuck on this like biochemical model. And I just kind of spent all your time talking about this toothpaste or this floor, you know, and it, the body is so much smarter than that. Right. Like it's, it's got such a, a more cell as both of you have experienced on your own health journeys, it has more of a self-healing mechanism. If we can provide it with the correct signals, it's all about the signals that we give the body, the light through the eyes. And then also light that shines on the body is, is huge. Right. Yeah. And, and a beautiful example goes back to that John Leonora stuff, because he was talking about this, this axis with the, you know, the brain and the protid and, uh, and the pancreas and, you know, how that was all interacting and preparing. But one of the other things he showed that, 
dependent on the uh, i think he was looking at sucrose um and dependent on the, the the sucrose content of the the diet the teeth were exposed to what he actually he found is that um he put like dye in the mouth and he wanted to see whether uh, the the diet had an impact on how this dye was either uh, kept out of the tooth or pulled into the tooth and the idea behind that was well he had this concept of tooth decay being that in those little dentinal tubules that I described earlier running through the uh, that middle bit of the tooth, the dentine, there's a flow of, of liquid, of water or, or whatever they're filled with. And the flow in health is outward. So from the center of the tooth outwards, so that essentially any nutrients that are coming into the, uh, the root of the tooth and into the pulp chamber where that nerve and, and uh, blood supply live can then be uh, integrated in those avascular structures. So it's taking that nutrient and that allows a tooth to heal and produce what's called secondary dentine, which is if there's a, a damage on the outside, your tooth will lay down more tooth tissue on the inside mm -hmm. to keep the distance the same. So it's got that buffer. And so in health, that flow is outwards. And what he found was that when he um, when he changed the diet and went towards a, a, you know, a higher sugar diet, it actually flipped the flow in the tubules. So instead of flowing from in to out, the flow in the tubules was out to in. And this ingress is what he felt caused problems with inflammation in the in the nerve of the tooth and also allowed the transmission of, you know, acids or bacteria or whatever into the tooth to cause tooth decay, which is almost heresy if you were to uh, suggest that as a as a um you know how how tooth decay is formed mm. but all of a sudden when you start to understand about resonance and you know mm -hmm. flow and you know all this well maybe he's onto something yeah. you know and if you think about when tooth teeth become really diseased well the focus of that infection is is drawn to the very root of the tooth it's almost like it's all being pushed down to the the, the very end and so even from a a pure um mechanics you know that that change in flow from into out and then reversing it that sort of fits with a lot of the pathology that we see you know in, in teeth um and and that different environment has vastly changed the way that tooth's able to cope so i mean that that's just the the beauty of of biology or or whatever underpins that whether it's it's physics or or whatever yeah I mean, just the whole kind of foundational idea that our body is meant to be more of a self-healing organism. And we're so quick to throw suppressive therapies and suppressive medications and antibiotics and things like this, which I think there are, uh, there are times when these things can save lives and it's important, but for a lot of people, they are overused. And then they never kind of entered this world of uh, quantum biology uh, and, and allow for the body to be in this, you know, improve the redox function of the body and watch things change for the better, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's the illusion um, and it may be an illusion, but the illusion that you can impact what, what's wrong with you, mm -hmm. you know, um, 
it's very easy to to feel like you're in a medical system and you just have stuff done to yeah. you and you just yeah. you, know, you, you turn up for your appointment and they do something else and then you see if that works and then you go back and they do something else and you see if that works mm -hmm. or they give you some tablets for you to take at home but you don't know how they work and you don't know what the wider impact yeah. of that is and i think just the the thing that the whole concept of quantum biology has given me is is the empowerment that I actually can have some control. Help yourself. Yeah, yeah over, over over myself, but I can help my kids, you know, yes. I can give them a, a, a better start, mm -hmm. um, you know, than, than maybe some of their, their peers who, who, who aren't receptive to, to that. And, you know, I might be kidding myself, but at, at the same time, that I, that's really valuable, yeah. you know, having that, um, that that control I can make some changes I can do this I can make a choice about this um, it's very very empowering absolutely I love it well I know everyone that's watching or listening is going to wonder where they can get the brush from how they can find out more information so what 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 should I tell them <laughs> I think um, I think maybe you start on our Instagram our Instagram is bristle b-r-i-s-t-l u-k um, and then I think, you know, there's a bit of information on different, you know, oral health conditions and how different of a, a different wavelengths like the 635 and the 410 can support these. Um, and then also the link to our websites. Uh, we have like a, you know, a US website and then also like a more non-US worldwide. Um, but we'll send you the links, I'm sure. Yes, please do. Yeah, yeah I'll make sure I put them in the show notes for everyone. Yeah, from a, a delivery perspective, it's sort of set up so there's a, a US um, ordering point and then there's a everywhere else. So, okay. Uh, I know it's been weird the way that's set up, but it's just how, how it's worked. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll try and make sure that that's clear in, in uh, with the information we send you, Sarah. Fantastic. Well, this has really been wonderful. And we're definitely going to have to talk again as as your product continues to develop and, and you continue to learn more things. So thank you so much for being here today. Pleasure. Oh, that's great. It. Nice to meet you, Sarah. Nice to meet you as well.